Hey now, welcome to our Black Girl Songbook. This is the show where we celebrate Black women in music and the moments that make them. I'm your host, Danielle Smith. I was at Vibe for a good long time, and now I'm collaborating with The Ringer and Spotify to bring you stories about the Black women who create the music that we live for. You will hear in full the songs behind those stories. New episodes of Black Girl Songbook drop every Thursday. Listen exclusively on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by USAA Auto Insurance. Life is full of tough decisions. Thanks to USAA Auto Insurance, picking your auto coverage is not one of them. Make the switch to USAA Auto Insurance and find out how much you could save. Get a quote today. Restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Hulu. Hey there. You know that Hulu has movies, right? Well, if you didn't, we're here to tell you. Hulu has movies. Hulu has acclaimed movies like All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Suncoast, starring Woody Harrelson and Laura Linney. And Cat Person with Amelia Jones and Nicholas Braun. They even have a bunch of movies that we've already done in the rewatchables. So head on over to Hulu if you like movies, because you guessed it. Hulu has movies. Coming up next. Laura! (laughs) She can't swim! (laughs) Laura! (laughs) Sleep with the enemy is next. What's your name? Where are you from? Our question. She's changed her name, her looks, her life. All to escape the most dangerous man she ever met. Her husband. Where is she? This is our last chance. I can't live without you. I won't let you live without me. Julia Roberts, sleeping with the enemy. All right, Van Lathan is here. This podcast happened because we were doing the Terminator 2 podcast and talking about female empowerment movies from 1991, Terminator 2, Thelma Louise, Sounds the Lamps. I mentioned Sleep with the Enemy and Van's eyes lit up. Yes. I knew I'd finally found my partner in crime for the Sleeping with the Enemy rewatchables. Van, I call this a mulligan movie. When, and when somebody becomes an A++++ lister, mm-hmm. They can basically put out any movie right after that. And people will go see it. And if it's good, it's not good. It's mediocre. They'll, they'll forgive it. It's a mulligan. The best example of this ever is Eddie Murphy when he did Best Defense, which yeah. I went to the theater. I paid for it. Didn't realize he was only in it for 20 minutes. He was coming off 48 hours in trading places. Mm-hmm. I didn't hold him against him, but I, but I learned my lesson. Leo had one with The Beach. The Beach was a Macaulay big Macaulay Culkin. One. Uh, was my girl right mm-hmm. after Home Alone. And it's like, oh, wait, you're going to kill Macaulay Culkin in this? Mulligan. Yeah. Went on to the next one. Uh, Sly Stallone, Paradise Alley, after Rocky. Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel. What was that, Triple X? No, it wasn't Triple X. Triple X was a big Vin Diesel vehicle. Remember, it was like Man on Fire or something oh, like that? Oh, you're right, right. Yeah, when it, right. they come out, that movie that actually... They had like shelved it a little bit, but after Fast and the Furious goes crazy, they go ahead and put it out because it's Vin Diesel, it's this big deal, and it kind of just wasn't anything, but he was still Vin Diesel after that. Liam Neeson hit it big with Taken mm-hmm. right after that Unknown came out. I'm like, Unknown? all right. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm there. I'm, I'm there for it. Right. So Julia is the biggest actress in the world after Pretty Woman. Mm-hmm. Flatliners comes out right after, but she'd already filmed that. But this was the first Julia vehicle. Right. It's a mulligan movie, but it also has legs. It has 30 years of legs. Mm-hmm. What is your explanation for why this bizarre movie that I don't even think she's very proud of has legs? 
Well, number one, I, it, it just dawned on me. I think the Vin Diesel movie is called A Man Apart. I don't know why I thought Man Apart. That's of what Fire. it is, Man Apart. I think, right. I think Man on Fire is. is the Denzel. That's Denzel. Yeah. yeah, it's the Denzel one. Yes, that's another weird one. Uh, but your question again, my bad. I'm sorry. This just jumped in my mind. Why does this movie have legs for 30 years? Uh, because of its unique lifetime-esque qualities. Because this is, this is basically a, a lifetime movie took steroids and inside of those steroids they just up the talent of all of the primary actors right you give the julia roberts instead of a meredith baxter bernie or whatever it is <laughs> and you just inject it into your arms and this is what you got and also this was kind of a weird era because around this same time a couple of years before you had a sally field vehicle it was called not without my daughter do you remember this movie yeah. When Sally Field was married to the guy, and she, the guy was uh, Iranian, I believe, and then he took the family back to Iran, and she was trying to get away from him with her daughter uh, to get back to America. I just remember this movie because my mom would watch that movie, and my mom and my aunts would watch this movie, and it was almost the first time I saw them get around the television and just talk about how trash men are. And there were some movies that were going on during that time. And my mother would watch this movie all the time. Really, this is kind of like a hood classic in a way. I'm watching this movie, and he screams, Laura! And I hear Kalika from the other room go, yo, are you watching Sleeping with the Enemy? <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. So like, it, it, it kind of took on a life of its own for like how crazy it really was. Well, I, that was going to lead to my next my next thing I was going to do here, the from he, the from hell era, which Wesley Morris coined back on Grail, and I don't know if he came up with it, but that was the first time I'd heard of it. Fatal Attraction starts in 1987. Yeah, and we we did Fatal Attraction rewatchables, and we talked about how this launched the from hell era. So you have Pacific Heights, Michael yeah. King, the tenant, the tenant from hell, uh -huh. sleeping with the enemy, the husband from hell, hand that rocks the cradle, the nanny from hell. Unlawful Entry, The Policeman from Hell, Ray Liotta. Uh -huh. Single White Female, The, the roommate, roommate from, from Hell. hell. Yeah. <laughs> the Good Son, The Little Kid from Hell. Right. The Temp, The Temp from Hell. And then mm -hmm. The Crush, the basically The Lolita from Hell. And this mm -hmm. is all in the span of six years. And what happens is what you mentioned earlier. Eventually, Lifetime is like, cool. We'll, we'll just make this a <laughs> genre. But before that happened, we had the major networks like Fox, NBC, they started doing the TV movie versions of this and they would use 902 and O people and Melrose Place people and Save the mm -hmm. Bell people. Tori yeah. Spelling was in like four of them. Yeah, she it was. The same premise. One star, they're in danger. Somebody flipped a switch on them and that became a thing. And then eventually it set it on Lifetime for the next 20 years. It's almost like she got that kind of audition being the meek, demure member of the cool kids on 90210. That was like her audition to play that character over and over right. and over again. And Tiffany Amber Thiessen was another one who was in a bunch of them. Jenny Garth was in a couple. Mm -hmm. Then it'd be like Brian Austin Green when they wanted to flip it, where it was like, now the guy's in danger with some crazy ex-girlfriend, and they would just run through all the characters. Yeah, you know what the thing was? is like... It became a weird thing to where it became super compelling to watch human obsession, to watch people. And there's there's a, a couple of different ways that they do it, right? And it's all it was always funny to me. Cause in the fatal attraction situation, I remember my mom and her sisters, they would watch that a little bit different. 
And the reason why they will watch that different, that was still to to them, to these ladies, that's still a men ain't shit movie. Because they looked at him as having deserved right. all of the things that he got himself into because of, you know, what he was doing. He was fucking around on his wife. But this one, it's just a film where you get to do something that you hardly get to do, which is throw yourself totally into the protagonist. I mean, the protagonist is sleeping with the enemy doesn't make one mistake. It is a complete palette for you to just go dive completely into. The husband is all-consuming evil. He literally plays like the Darth Vader death march before they make love. He puts on like a weird, like a weird foreboding song. It's like not like Barry White. It's not like he was a like, baby. Uh, nah, he's like dun dun dun. It's like every single part of him, and that's just easy to watch, man. Those are easy movies to watch. Single white female is a very easy film to. <laughs> oh no! <That's- laughs> right. Oh God! Right. It's dreams of a witch's Sabbath. <laughs> right to have sex. <laughs> so anyway, that the is movies- the scariest song ever used in a movie. If I if I was in like a drugstore and I heard that in a drugstore, I'd be like, oh my god, something terrible is about to happen. <laughs> right. Wait, wait, oh my god, run, run for your lives. So, the, so Fatal Attraction creates this. And Fatal Attraction mm, yes. is an incredibly well done movie. It got Oscar attention. I think for Glenn Close, Michael Douglas did amazing mm-hmm. things. Adrian Lyon, same thing. Mm-hmm. It created the blueprint for let's get one star. We'll put them in peril. I think when we talked, when I mentioned those from hell movies, the difference with this movie and all the other ones. And you left out Disclosure, the boss from hell. Disclosure, you're right. Disclosure, 1994. Yeah. Um, yeah, the boss from hell is a good one. Yeah. I think what what sets this movie apart is the villain, the husband. Okay. Patrick Bergen, who has this mixture of I think he's completely terrifying. Mm-hmm. I've never seen a character quite like him. The way he talks, he's just pure evil. And as you said, every checkpoint, he stays the most evil thing. Even at the end when she's shooting on a shooting at him, he's like, ah! Yeah. Ah! Like he's just completely <laughs> over the top. The only one that I can say compares would be the nanny in Hand That Rocks the Cradle, Rebecca De Mornay's character. Mm-hmm. When she breastfeeds the baby. Right. The, uh, the Annabelle Sewer's baby. And she's yeah. like, oh, I'm going to breastfeed. You're like, oh my God. That's, right. That was yeah. one of those in the theater. People are like, oh. But the, the husband as the villain, I, I think it's almost untoppable. It, it, you can't take him seriously in any other movie after this. This is what I was going to bring up on the T2 podcast. What I was going to bring up on the T2 podcast, I'm glad we saved it for this podcast, was the fact that after watching Robert Patrick as the T-1000, it took a long time for me to get... It was almost like they needed the T-1000 and then they created him for the role. That's how it seems now. Like they made him in a lab for the role. So for a long time, I can only see the cold killing machine, right? I remember Patrick Bergen, right? And remember, he's not just an abusive husband in this. He's part of abusive husband, part Freddy Krueger, and then part Batman. Like, he's the best detective in the world as well. Because he has to track her down using, like, forensic detective work, analyzing stuff to find out where she is. You know what I mean? So he's completely terrifying. But I remember shortly after this, when his star was starting to rise, I think he became like Robin Hood. He was Robin Hood the same year. And I got to be honest with you, I wasn't fucking with him at all. Like, I'm not about to watch you 
as Robin Hood, especially coming off the most ridiculous yet satisfying Robin Hood that we've ever had, which was Kevin Costner, right? Yeah. Like, the uh, who was then America's likable guy. Watching this guy, it just did not work. He, to, for this to be the first time that I remember Patrick Bergen, that's a hell of a role to get out from under, man. That's just a lot. He was completely menacing, terrible, pure evil, and then almost unavoidable. He was every um, uh, omniscient in the movie. He knew everything. He could see everything. He could do everything and used all of this to terrorize this one woman for no reason. And it's Julia Roberts. Not only that, it's not just who he was. It's who she was. It was Pretty Woman. We literally just fell in love with every time she smiled. And now right. you're make you're bumming her out. It was this is a this a weird confluence of things for that to be kind of career paralyzing for him at least for a little while uh, in that way. It was a really good career move for her, and the movie wasn't reviewed that well, but it made it made 175 million dollars on a budget of 19 million. It Domestic? was Jesus. Yeah. What? Yeah, I didn't realize it was that lit. It was the seventh biggest movie of 1991. The the in order: Terminator 2, uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Home Alone, Silence of Lambs, City Slickers, Dances with Wolves, Sleeping with the Enemy. Seven. Wow. And it was all because she was the biggest star in the world. She looks fantastic. I don't mm-hmm. think she's ever looked better in a movie. We're going to litigate that later. And she's in danger. Yeah. And. When he turns on her, and it's a disturbing scene when he gets mad that she talked to the book guy. We'll talk to that later. Yeah. When he hits her, that was in the theater, one of those, oh, like it's like a gasp. You know what the movie was. You're going to the movie, you know, all right, she's got this. You kind of knew the premise from the trailer. But when Julie Roberts actually gets hit, it's it's really, it's awful for a whole bunch of reasons. But just to see America's sweetheart in a relationship like that, you're invested in me. You're like, oh my God, we've got to yeah. save her. And I think that's one of the reasons it's so effective. So he goes down and he has this very collegial, very sort of almost nothing conversation with the doctor. Right. By the way, the doctor never says he was in the house. He was just like, oh, I've admired your house. I saw your wife looking out the window a couple of times. And the husband's like, okay. And then thinks she invited him in, basically. In the past, what people would do is that in situations where there was abuse, they'd always say, hey, he's a drunk. He's a drug addict. He's this, he's that. This guy is none of those things. He's just fucked up. He goes out there. He has a very nice conversation with the guy, talks to him about his boat. The guy compliments him on how beautiful his wife is, right? He goes back and takes that whole thing and uses it to destroy her. You're like, yo, she's got to get away from this guy. This guy is crazy. The movie is made right there in that scene. Yeah. I agree. Um, one interesting thing that we talked about, the evolution of the From Hell gimmick. Mm-hmm. So it starts with Fatal Attraction with mainstream movies. It drifts over to TV movies, like we talked about with the with the Tory Spelling era. Yeah. It goes to Lifetime. Yeah. Which where it lives now. No, that's not where it lives now. You Ooh. know where it really lives now? Where does it live? With black movie people. It's, oh, they it's have true. now the last five, yeah. six years, they're basically remaking all of these situations with right. all black casts. And right. Michael Ely's in like half of them. Right. <laughs> He's either the bad guy or the good guy, depending on the movie. But uh, right. I just watched one a month ago with Hillary Swank as the one night stand Fatal. for Mel. Yeah. But yeah, Fatal. Michael Ely's yeah. a sports agent. Mm-hmm. Uh, for some reason, he he's celebrating early in the movie because he signed Lance Stevenson, who has a cameo. Right. 
And right, then it's Lance like, Stevenson. we got Lance Stevenson. Things are taking off. It's like, what year is this movie? 2012? Yeah, um, it, it's true. And not only that, by the way, I love that you said black movie people. <laughs> black movie people. Black I, mo- I the, black, the black movie. You mean, you mean the black, black filmmaking movie community? Black movie goers? Hey, I, I, I meant movie goers. <laughs> movie people. I know. That's a crazy. <laughs> All right. No. So it, they've done it a couple times. Remember Obsession? A couple times. They've done, they've done it they a did. million times. What about the Dennis Quaid movie? And so, yeah, all of that. And then there was one that was really good. It was with, um, uh, it was they did the Idris Elba. Idris, Idris Elba, Elba one was good with, with, uh, with Henson. But see, here's the thing, though. What that, that come, that's, that's derived from this. See, yes. what we, what we realized is that, look, it's, it's one thing to watch white people cut up. That's cool. But it's really, really, really crazy to see it when we get all other cultural dynamics to it, especially in the Beyonce one, because then that was a white woman trying to get a black man. That right there, she was the easy villain. Because, I mean, that's one thing to be a villain when you're in the picture with a black athlete and everybody, all the sisters got to go unlike, unlike, unlike on the picture. That's one thing. It's a whole cultural thing. But then when you see a beautiful black couple and then she's trying to come in there and, and she's the interloper trying to take it away, it's a thing. Plus, those are easy films to talk with your friends about. Right. It's easy to be like, yo, you see how crazy they were acting? You see how crazy this is? You see how crazy they... It's just easy. In some of those films, like, there's one where... uh Michael Ely's the bad one and there's like a shower scene to where they're making love in the shower and he's outside of the shower. That's just an easy one for Twitter to get behind. It's crazy. They're, they're fun popcorn movies if we're being honest. I'm in every time. Yeah. I texted you the night Fatal came out and I was like... You were so into Fatal. I was like, I'm in. That's all I needed. I just <laughs> like, what was Hilary Swank? One night Hillary saying, from in. Yeah, I, you're so into Fatal. You loved Fatal. I like all of these movies. I think <laughs> it's been interesting, though, as they've made them basically with all black cast, but the white person is the villain in like 75% of them, which has been the twist where it's like, it, like Ali Larder was the one in that, uh, and, that Beyonce and, uh, movie. The Beyonce one, yeah. yeah. And and it was like, and she she's basically Glenn Close in that movie. But I, sure. I think they're going to keep making them because I think they make money every time. But it all I- starts... It starts with Fatal Attraction, but it really starts with Sleeping with the Enemy because this movie made a ton of money. They realized they just needed the one star. Mm-hmm. And then it goes through and we go through the rest of the way. Um, back to uh, Patrick Bergen for a second. So he's he's a homicidal domestic abuser, mm-hmm. control freak. But then they throw in OCD right, as... The final piece to make him a psycho, where mm-hmm. it's like the fucking bat towels, <laughs> they're not aligned on the side. I'm furious right now. Right. One of these towels is lagging blue. Hey, the canned goods. What's the going labels, on here? Are, the labels aren't facing to the front in the canned goods. I, I actually could have spent more time with it. I, I thought he was so, he was such a crazy character. I, I kind of felt like they could have gone even further. Like, what was this car like? And, and y- the whole, and that's kind of something. That was the first thing, the first sign that something was fucked up. The towels. He says, yeah, does everything look like... Because he doesn't just fix the towel. It would have been one thing if he just fixed the towel. That's not what he did. He marched her back in there to call out the fact that the towels were messed up. Well, you know That's what he says? That's the abusive part. What does he say? The sentence, the way he says it, is the creepiest. <laughs> everything in here as it should be? Mm. 
it's just kind of perfectly phrased. It's like, <laughs> oh, that's weird. And then right. she apologizes and he goes, well, we all forget things. That's what right. reminding is for. And you're like, exactly. oh, I fucking hate this guy. This guy needs to die at the end of this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he's got certain ways of saying things. The actor is from was born in Dublin. He's Irish. Mm-hmm. So he's got this weird twang to his voice. So when he says stuff like, I'm sorry we quarreled. Quarreled. Yeah, he uses quarrel and supper and right. pout and supper. These wor- yeah, supper. These mm-hmm. words that you don't normally hear. Um, the director of this movie, Joseph Rubin. I'm just going to read some of his work. Tell Let's me go. if he's in your wheelhouse. Sure. Dreamscape, The Stepfather, True Believer, Sleep with the Enemy, The Good Son, and Money Train. That oh, was wow. on a ten year run. Yeah, I like it. I like kind of good. I'm, 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 I'm with him a little bit. By the way, I'm a I'm a I'm a Money Train fan. Me too. I'm a big well, you're a J Lo fan. Oh, that that was by the way. We have a run. People, it seems weird to say peak J Lo because it seems like J Lo is always peak J Lo. No, but there was a mid nineties J Lo J Lo to where you were like, oh my god, like it was just like it was to you were like. Yo, and Money Train was in a way her kind of coming out party film wise. It was like one of the first big deals for her. Like Selena and Money Train and all of those things, they were kind of all around the same time. Money Train was a big deal. Well, the key with J-Lo, she stood out in such a way that she was just one of the fly dancers on In Living Color. Mm-hmm. And people were like, who's that? And she yeah. ended up like having a career just from like dancing on a sketch comedy show. But yeah. it's funny, she ends up doing her own version of Sleeping with the Enemy in 2002. Enough, which I also really like. That was yeah. a good one. Remade the movie. She yeah. she did it because there, there are elements of Enough in Sleeping with the Enemy, of course, except in Enough, it's like really a Marvel superhero origin story. Yeah. Because like in, in this movie, uh, Julia Roberts develops some new skills. In Enough... Jennifer Lopez essentially becomes a Navy SEAL in order to defeat her abusive husband. And that's like, she just, at the end, she's doing Krav Maga. She's flipping over stuff. She's a weapon. She's ready. She's ready for the fight. She's ready for the fight at the end of it. Yeah. I like that movie. I think it's a better movie overall than Sleeping with the Enemy, but I think the villain in Sleeping with the Enemy is so much better than the Enough guy. Enough from beginning to end is a better movie. I think Sleeping with the Enemy... Really, the first half of the movie is probably better than the second half. Yeah. But, and enough is kind of better the whole way through, but the villain is just not as good. And then Jennifer Garner tried to do it two years ago with Peppermint. I didn't see that one. Well, it's not good. I didn't see that one. Was she the villain or was there some guy who was the guy villain in this one? She, um, her husband and her kid get murdered by in a drug deal kind of mistaken identity thing. Mm hmm. And she disappears and comes back and decides to wipe out the whole uh, cartel in LA one by one. Not not going. And for same it. same kind of like enough thing. I gotta say it's terrible, but it's watchable. Okay. I can't I can't yeah. completely well, tell you I'll not. I can't completely it. not recommend it. Because hmm. I like all these movies, every one of them. I like revenge stuff. Like I, I but I will say something about the villain in this movie, and you, I think that this is something people have to remember. Like. Filmmaking changes in grandiose ways. And then the time that Patrick Bergen comes along, there's still this archetype that I don't really feel like exists anymore. We're coming off of Hollywood being obsessed with the tall, dark, and handsome film star. A whole generation and a half of your 
Cary Grants and your Rock Hudsons and your big, tall, dark, like uh, Burt Reynolds' guys like that. And I can't remember a guy who looked like he was cut from that cloth, like he would be in a swashbuckling movie, be the hero, right. be so clearly be a villain, right? He was, and that's kind of what Patrick Bergen was, this tall, stand-up, completely straight, like almost a Chris, a mutated Christopher Reeve, Right. Almost like an anti-Christopher Reeve in a way. And he's like that bad. Even though, you know, Christopher Reeve, Death Trap a little bit, was like the bad guy. But in this particular movie, it works so that they're actually turning an archetype on his head as well. Not just an an actual character. Not just, you know, a, 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 a white collar guy. Just the whole archetype of that. They're turning it on his head as well. So negative reviews, 175 million, broke the record at the time, for the highest domestic opening for a female-centric film. 13 really? million first weekend. I don't ended, remember that. Ended Home Alone's 12-week run on the box office, on the top of the box office. Wow. Home Alone's number one for 12 weeks. That'll never happen again. Mm-hmm. Roger Ebert, one and a half stars. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I argue. I, like, honestly, if somebody's going to go one and a half stars for this, I'm not going to get mad. He said, quote, a slasher movie in disguise, an upmarket version of the old exploitation formula where the victim can run, but she can't hide. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what, that's why I give it three stars. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're going to do uh, the categories. We'll take a quick break. This episode is brought to you by USAA Insurance. When you're a homeowner in the military community, peace of mind is priority. And USAA Homeowners Insurance has the award-winning service to give you just that. If you have to file a claim, the process is transparent and easy. You can do it all right in the USAA app. And replacement cost coverage comes standard. That means damaged items are repaired or replaced even if they cost more today than they did when you bought them. Which could put your wallet at ease too, by the way. Tap the banner or visit usaa.com slash homeowners to learn more and get a quote. Restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Royal Caribbean. It's so hard to choose what kind of vacation you want. Beach, island hopping, hiking, culture. What about choosing Royal Caribbean and going on all the vacations at once? You could test out your surfing skills. You can go on multiple onboard pools. I mean, think about it. If you go island hopping to a jaw-dropping range of Caribbean destinations, including the Bahamas, Bermuda, Jamaica, Mexico, many more, you could hike a Jamaican jungle. You can climb an Alaskan glacier. You can sail to Europe. You can snorkel along colorful reefs, jump off a waterfall, go go jet skiing. You can do it all. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Visit royalcaribbean.com to learn more. All right. Most rewatchable scene. So, Mm. I mean, this isn't rewatchable in in one sense because – you know, it, it ends in a bad way for Julia, but it's so scary when he goes to see the boat guy because I know what's going to happen next. John Fleischman, I guess we must be neighbors. Martin Bernie, we live up there. Oh, so that must be your wife that I keep seeing staring down from the window. Laura. Mm, you're a lucky man. I've been admiring your house. It's one of the best on Cape Cod. Thanks. You're from Boston? Yeah, I've uh, escaped from Mass General. I'm a neurologist there. You live in Boston, too. I'm an investment counselor. This is a terrific-looking boat. Boats are a passion of mine, one I don't get to indulge very often. Oh, that's too bad. I would never let anything keep me off the water. 
My wife doesn't like sailing. She can't swim. Nearly drowned when she was a child. I usually try to get her on a boat at least once a season. And he's talking to the boat guy. And the guy's like, yeah, your wife, she's lovely. She looks out the window sometimes. And it's just the whole way it's set up. When he goes back in the house, you're like, oh, no. Oh, God. And uh, I wouldn't say it's most rewatchable, but I think it's a really important scene. I wanted to flag it. The dinner scene is rewatchable. When they she makes him dinner, and say, they've kind of made up, but she hates him. And, you know, she's angling for a way out. She wants, he wants to convince her to go on the boat. And he goes... She goes, had your dinner been late to the table even once? And he's like, oh, I can remember when it was late by two days. And it's kind of on and they're mm. playing a little chess. And then he goes, uh, you sneaked off inexplicably. Need I remind you how I worried? No, you reminded me enough the night I came back. Mm-hmm. And then he goes, you're not suggesting I enjoyed that. And she goes, God, no. That will that make, make you a monster. monster. She died, Martin. How could I not go to her funeral? You had told me I would have taken you, given me a chance to pay my last respects. But you sneaked off inexplicably. I didn't sneak off. Need I remind you how I worried? No. You reminded me enough the night I came back. You aren't suggesting I enjoy that. Oh, God, no. That would make you a monster. That yeah. scene's fucking great. It is. And he's like kind of calculating it, trying to like be like, hmm, should I escalate this? Mm-hmm. Should I escalate the quarrel? The quarrel. Um, doesn't, but the, the chess match of that is really good, right? It's fantastic. And it also lets you know that there's a resistance brewing inside of her. It's there's, she, she's not completely impotent. Like she is taking some but then giving some back like she has an opinion she knows what this guy really is and there's something brewing inside of her because before then all you really see in her is complete fear right complete fear and just deference to him that's the first time you see hey she's not giving it uh, she's not just all taking it she's giving some back something else about the boat scene it's interesting about the boat scene is because Okay, so when you look at the scene, if he's talking to this guy and in this way, he thinks this guy is fucking around with his wife, notice that he never treats the man like that, okay? He never says, he never calls him out. Oh, you've been staring at my wife? Have you been in my house? Have you done any of that stuff? So not only is he a villain, but he's also a coward. Right, right. So that in and of that little stuff like that in a film, lines that aren't said, they subtract away from your villain. They like take things away from your villain and leave the villain empty and hollow and easier for you to hate. Because this guy gives all of this to somebody who he knows is ill-equipped to fight back. And when we're talking about domestic abuse, that's normally what we see. You fight your wife, but you won't fight the cops. You fight your wife, but you won't fight her brother or or her cousins or anything like that. We see that type of cowardice all the time. And great writing, because not only is he not giving it to this guy, he wants to go hang out with him after and go on the boat. (laughs) He accepts his invitation. Right. For a dude that he has in his mind is maybe doing something with his wife or he thinks it's possible. But really, all it is is an excuse 
to beat on her. He would never come at him like that, even if he thought it, because he's a coward. And for us, it shows us, like, this guy isn't just jealous. He's insane. He's in, he's crazy. Yeah, he's insane. Because he takes this conversation, twists it the way he wants to, and then takes it out. Yeah. Uh, next one. The sailing accident. I'm going to lump these together. Sailing accident to the funeral, to the flashback escape, when she explains, when she does the usual suspects on it. Yeah. Um, the actual sailing accident. It's a really good scene. It's one of those scenes that's so well shot. You feel like the actual actors are in danger. You don't know how they're doing it. Like, right. guys, like, what the the sails swing around. It's almost hitting them. Uh, I, was thinking, I was thinking to myself, like, is this the perfect storm? Like, if somebody falls in, or do we have enough crew around to help them out? It looked like it's a little chop on protected waters out there. It looks like it was pretty, pretty dangerous, man. Right. And they're doing everything wrong. Like, they're in the front of the boat, which you're not supposed to do in a storm. But then looks back. She's not there. Laura! Goes to the funeral and then the flashback escape. I love how you talk to me like I know anything about being in a boat that small. We don't do that. That's all Cape Cod-esque whiteness. I've never been in a boat. I'm just saying, you can see you know, the boat uh, tilting. It's yeah, in a storm. That Mr. seemed crazy. Mr. Cape Cod, like they're in the front. they like, <laughs> like, yeah, he didn't know what the, how to get the jib and the bow and the stern. I ain't never done any of that shit. <laughs> I'm not getting on that boat and, no. at night. I'm not getting on that boat at night, Bill. Is never going to happen. So I don't even get, I don't know why y'all do shit like that. I'm going to be real with you. I, I also would not get on that boat at night. <laughs> and she does that. That was the night I died, but someone else was saved. The narration, as you know, I'm anti-narration. I do like the narration here. Someone who knew the darkness from the broken lights would show the way. That was the night that I died and someone else was saved. Someone who was afraid of water, but learned to swim. Someone who knew there would be one moment when he wouldn't be watching. Someone who knew that the darkness from the broken lights would show the way. Um, and that's when you realize, like, oh, shit, she put some real thought into this. She broke the light for a reason. Mm-hmm. There's a voila moment that I think really works. Um, I think that's the. I think that whole sequence is incredibly watchable. Uh, next rewatchable scene: the husband gets the call from the wide WCA lady. Bruh. Hey, well, you know, we swam, and he's fucking. They do a cool camera three sixty as he, before he breaks the phone. Mm-hmm. Goes to the house. He's blowing it up, looking for stuff, and then finally finds the ring. That scene's really good because you're like, oh shit, Bruh. he's gonna find something. I hope I'm not disturbing you. I just heard about Laura, and I wanted to call and tell you how much we'll miss her. Thank you. How did you know her? From the YWCA. No, you must be speaking of someone else. My wife never went to the YWCA. No, no. We took swimming there Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 8 a.m. Look, there's obviously some mistake. My wife drowned. She, She couldn't swim. Well, at first she couldn't, but she became a good swimmer. I'm sure you have the wrong woman. This is odd. Mr. Bernie, your wife studied gymnastics, didn't she? <sighs> no, my wife never studied gymnastics. That's strange. She told us that's how she got all those terrible bruises. Mr. Bernie, I don't understand it. I'm, I'm sorry if I bothered you. This is just so confusing. I was so pissed off. At the YWCA lady. Oh, yeah, yeah. What are you doing, YWCA lady? 
Like what's what's your what's your what's your true goal? Like I I never thought about this scene before then. You calling up, you're going through all of this. He's just getting all he is punking you for the info YWCA lady and you just giving it all up. Very just one of the it's rewatchable, but I was just annoyed as hell. You call up and give him up like he by the way, it's weird. Cause it's, if I call you, Bill, and I'm talking about, let's say I'm talking about Chris, and I say something, and then I realize Chris hasn't told you, the real motherfucker in me, yeah. I, right away, the real motherfucker in me goes, oh shit, nah, man, what about them Celtics? Like, you know, you know what I'm saying? Right away, I know, but she keeps giving it up. Shut up, YWCA lady, shut up. She gives it all away. Also, I know this is a pre-OJ movie, so the domestic violence awareness was not really where it was going to be four or five years later. With that said, this lady's taking up swimming at the YWCA, and she's got bruises all over her body. And and they're like, where do you get it? Oh, gymnastics. It's like, why the fuck? She's a grown woman. Why is she taking gymnastics? Right. And then she mysteriously dies on a boat. YWCA lady... Why not put two and two together and be like, hmm, maybe I should call the police. That's right. Let's see what's going on here. She had bruises. She's out here training. Probably had to be all kinds of weird times. And then she disappears. The cops are asking, well, I'll, I'll let you know, she did get, appear beat up a lot. So there was right. trauma going on in her life. She learned how to swim, but she drowned. She right. had bruises. How fucking hard was this to figure out? No, YWCA lady, you fucked this whole thing up. Don't be the YWCA lady in life. Don't be terrible, for many reasons. Terrible job by her. Uh, the carnival scene is really good. Mm-hmm. That is the uh, the peak of the Patrick Bergen face right. when he's watching from afar and he's mm-hmm. he's like doing like the guy in scanners, like his head's gonna blow up. <laughs> right, uh, just perfect. His mustache is like pulsating. Mm-hmm. Everything about that. That scene's really well shot. And then the the ending when she realizes he's in the house, mm-hmm. and it's like that's weird that playing that creepy song he used to play. I wonder if that was my new boyfriend as a joke. It's like, no, that pretty sure your new boyfriend wouldn't joke about that. And then she's looks at the towels and then she's like, oh man, I hope the canned goods haven't been <laughs> reordered. <laughs> All right. Opens the, the, the cupboard and, and yeah. That's awesome. Re-ordered. I mean, it's a good thing about a film like this is even in the past films, the crazy just keeps getting ramped up. Like you already know Glenn Close is crazy. Then she boils the yeah. rabbit and you know, wow, she's really, really fucking crazy. And this guy keeps ramping it up, right? Because he's obsessed. You know he's obsessed. But then at the point that you play the song and you uh, rearrange all the stuff, this guy is really f- fucked in the head. Like he's, yeah. something's really, really wrong. And at that point you wonder, so... He's got to just be out to kill her now, right? He's not coming back to get her back because he's now gone full uh, Nightmare on Elm Street villain. I will throw another scene in there for most rewatchable for me, though. Okay. And I think it's quietly one of the most empowering scenes in the movie where she shares the apple with the lady on the bus. Mm. Where the lady gives her the apples. And I'll tell you why. It is the first time she felt brave enough to tell her story. Mm. Even though she used a third person, even though she did all of that stuff, you know, you have kind of the busybody lady on the bus who'll give you a green apple. If you ever rode the bus before, which I have from Los Angeles 
all the way to uh to Louisiana and back and forth. I've done it before. If you're thinking about doing it, I'll pay for your flight rather than subject you to that. But but <laughs> but there's always a lady on there that's like that's super talkative and all of that stuff like that. And this is somebody who she knows isn't connected to anything. And for the first time, she can say out loud things that she had only ever been thinking. And that's a real important moment for the character because it's also necessary for her to take the first step to leave that in the past, which is which is to admit that it was all actually happening to someone else to get rid of the secret. So I think that that was a great scene too. And I love, I love to watch it. It was very, very touching. Couldn't agree more. Let's go to what saves the best. Sure. The fucking house is amazing. It is. And I, I have some details on the house later, but I would put that house against any movie house for just how spectacular it is. I don't blame the sailing guy for staring at the house. Yeah. I don't blame him for just checking it out every once in a while. And, and uh, and maybe noticing the smoking hot lady in the window, looking back down sadly. Right, right. I don't, I don't think I don't think anybody's in the wrong. Is my point. I, I don't either. It's also the house when you look at it because I actually paused a couple of. It looks like it's popping right up out of the beach. There doesn't seem to be much like surrounding it. It's just like this beautiful structure, kind of right up out of the sand right there. I've never been to Cape Cod. I'm assuming that you have. Are there? Are they like? Are they getting it like that at Cape Cod? Are there tons of homes like that? You see them? Well, let's do this now. I was okay. going to do this later. So they they filmed this in Shell Island, which is like in the south. This whole movie is filmed in the south. They built the house. What? They built the outside structure of the house. It's a fake house. They built it in an environmentally <laughs> sen- what environmentally sensitive zone of beach grass. They only gained permission to build there by promising to tear the whole thing down and restore the property as soon as shooting was done, which they did. They donated all the materials. It was to Anderson County, South Carolina. Um, So they spent whatever they spent to build the fake house and another $25,000 to get rid of it. And now there's nothing there. I couldn't believe it. I thought it was like in Nantucket or someplace in Cape Cod. No, it's it's a fake house they built in South Carolina. It blew my mind. I had no idea. I watched this movie a million times over the last 30 years. Had no idea. I have so many questions. I know. The first why not qu- just find a house in Nantucket? Why not why? just find a house in Nantucket to shoot there? That's got to be cheaper than building it from scratch at a di- in a different location. Well, that's the reason why the house looks like it's popping straight up out of the beach because it is popping straight up out of the beach. It's literally popping straight out of the beach. And, <laughs> and that's why it's such a cool house because it would never exist in real life because it would probably just get... The first time you had a hurricane, it would just get swept away. Get blown right over. That's yeah. weird. And by the way, that's that's some that's some early '90s shit, right then. That's well, that's, I'm sure they were like thinking the taxes in South Carolina versus if they built in Massachusetts, which had no movie taxes at that point, it would have been so much more expensive to shoot in Massachusetts. They probably did the math. Maybe so. Maybe maybe it worked out. It had to have, right? They always want to do it the cheapest way. Another would say the best. Great title. Sleeping oh, with the time. enemy. That's yeah. way up there. Fatal yeah. Attraction, Sleep with the Enemy. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are just quality titles. Uh, Julia Roberts. Just fantastic. She just yeah. looks great in this movie. This, this, is, you, uh, this is, this is as far as you, you said this is the best she's looked in a film too. I think this is Apex Julia for from a look standpoint. We were, I was in college. She's probably two, three years older than her, mm-hmm. than, than I was. Mm-hmm. 
definitely would have committed a murder to date her for like six months. <laughs> You'd be like, nobody would ever find out about the murder. I'm like, cool. That, just right. tell me who to kill. Right. Um, the Versa Climber. Right. So Patrick Bergen's character, he's using the Versa Climber in the beginning. I see it, yeah. 20 years later, the Versa Climber becomes a whole thing with LeBron James and and the whole fitness craze of this decade. I didn't know the Versa Climber was around that long. Incredible oh. job by the Versa Climber. I didn't know it had a 30-year run. It was it was uh Evander Holyfield's like preferred method of cardio. Yeah. He well, was he was huge. Like we have one in my boxing gym, and we like there's a Holyfield climb that you have to do at the boxing gym. Evander Holyfield loved the Versa Climber. There's a and then LeBron, I think, was the one that really made it great. Mm -hmm. Um we all forget things. That's what reminding is for. I don't know why I forgot. <laughs> well, we all forget things. That's what reminding is for. If you're dating somebody who says that to you, just break up with them. That's done. It's over. That's the, that's a what's age the best of like, that's a good litmus test for just get away from the person you're with. Yeah, it's fucking um, Thanos. The other guy who we haven't talked about yet that she falls in love with who is going to come up more, more strongly in what's age the worst. His mullet beard combo. Mm -hmm. It's so the mullet is the Yaramir Yager. Okay. <laughs> hockey player in the Penguins at the time, where he had the best one, fluffy in the top, mm -hmm. long on the back. But then this guy threw in the beard. Incredible degree of difficulty. I really feel like this is the only year you could have done that in a movie. 90, it's too early. 92, it's too late. There's a specific six month sweet spot for the Yager haircut with the beard. Mm hmm. Otherwise, you look like you're going to a Halloween as dressed as somebody. Nobody, nobody would actually ever have that again. It was a six-month span. Now, the thing about the mullet is the mullet is basically the nickelback of haircuts. It, it, because people look back on nickelback now and they talk shit about nickelback. Yeah. But I was there, Bill. Yeah, they fell, oh, yeah. Bill, I was there. I'm sorry. All of y'all are lying. Yep. How You Remind Me would come on and the whole bar would sing. And I don't know when it went left, but it went left in a way for Nickelback. Even Nickelback is sitting somewhere right now thinking, y'all, we were hot in 2003, right? We're not lying about that. Like, we were, the, the people looking at us like we crazy. We were, we were hot. We, the people, I don't know what's going on. That's how the mullet is. People act like the mullet. They look like they laugh at it now, but there were some significant mullets on sexy, sexy men. Gerardo Rico Suave guy had a, a version of the mullet. Billy Ray Cyrus had a version of the mullet. You had a sort of weird type of mullet that Mel Gibson had. These were sexy, hockey, sexy men. Lot hockey, of hockey guys. players. Lockie. Brandon, Brandon, first season of 902 and 0. Has a legit mullet. Has a legit mullet. So my thing is. At this particular time, if a mullet was going to save you, that was probably right online. That was the way shit should have been. Like she was saved by a mullet. A lot of these heroic guys had mullets. So it's the it's the kind of deal. So when I look back on them, I'm like, yeah, that's a hero for the early 90s. That's how that that's how that was. That's why I have that in what stage the best. Mm. It 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 is perfect for that specific era. It is perfect. He's got a the year later, thing. it would make no sense. And you'd be like, what are you doing? I think Kid <laughs> Rock is a good example of him arguing with somebody how hot he was in 1999. You have no idea. I was selling out football stadiums. Bro, People love my music. Bro, like Kid Rock is like, hey, I made a song where the hook is literally like not a word. 
It's just a bunch of sounds. <laughs> it's just a bunch of gibberish. It's just a bunch of gibberish. People I was so crazy. hot. People would go insane. And he's saying this as he's talking to a QAnon supporter in like a chat group message board. <laughs> but like, it was a big fucking deal. And it's just, it's crazy how shit changes. Last what's age the best for me is the husband's death scene. Mm. Just because it's really funny if you if you really watch it closely, like how he reacts to the to the shot. Ah! Ah! <laughs> it's just at that point he's just I don't know what he's going for. It's not an Oscar, mm-hmm. but uh, I really enjoy that. Any other what's age the best for you? Uh the the is he dead super uh, 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 horror movie moment. When, you he, know, when they come back. Yeah, they, they, just, co- they always have to do that. They always... And by the way, the only reason why I say it is the best is because they still haven't stopped doing it. Yeah. I'll be, they, they continue they do to do it. They do Close in the bathtub. They she's like, oh, she's dead. Oh, no, she's not dead. There's, it's because they, these people have two lives. They have a regular life that, you know, their heart beats, and then the evil keeps them alive, too. So you got to kill them, then you got to kill the evil. And they, they still, did it with Fatal. They did it with Fatal. Fatal. Don't spoil Fatal, but... Let's just say one of them isn't dead when you think they're dead. Right. They they're going to come back. So that uh, continues to yeah, age. They, they jerk oh, back up. Oh, they jerk back. Oh, I still gotta kill you. I'm driven by rage. Ah, <laughs> my last night breath, I'm shooting you. <laughs> right. Uh what's age the worst? <laughs> <laughs> this song, it's just not not doing well on Spotify these days. Right. You know, yeah, it's like, hey, put on some music. Oh right. yeah. You know what I'll put on the sleeping with the enemy song. Uh, I have that for what stage is worse. I also have uh, everything about the West Side Story scene. Oh, wow. You don't like that one, huh? Well, I don't think West Side Story has aged well for people under 30, like producer Craig. They probably don't even know what's going on there with when you're a jet, you're a jet. Also, like introducing our new male heartthrob with somebody just singing uh, a West Side Story song while playing with a hose was a weird choice. I don't really understand that at all. I'll tell you why, though. It's actually okay. perfect. Because he's safe. He's a drama teacher. He mm. poses no threat. Who, he's got a mullet. He's got a mullet. He's the safe guy. He's a drama teacher. He's super playful. He doesn't care about what people think. He's playing around in his backyard, acting like he's the Jets and the Sharks, shooting the holes around when nobody's looking. He's full of life. He's free. He's all of these things. This is also another trope in these movies where the more successful you are, the more dangerous you are. The one guy is super rich, Wall Street investment guy. That means he has a dark side. But the true good guy is always an everyman. He's always sort of failed. He only thing he has to give you is his love and his goofiness. And so that's why they introduced the guy that way. Another what's age the worst. It just it, it makes me think of OJ, which I never like thinking of OJ at 94, but I do think when this movie came out, the lack of education and just know-how about domestic violence and mm-hmm. OJ was the turning point for all that stuff. And you watch some of the beats in this movie now and and if this movie's 1996, She's showing up at the YWCA classes with the bruises from the legend gym. I just think it would be received completely. It would be a lot more far-fetched that this guy could get away with this stuff. Yeah, I agree. And I think that that's something that struck me about the film, too. And, you know, I was a kid when it came out, and I just used to listen to people talk about things like this. A guy being an abuser at that point sometimes got treated as just another aside about them. 
Like I would hear things about athletes. I'm not gonna. You'd say what well, you'd say in sports. All the you would see the guy would get arrested. He would let go. He'd be back in the team. Yeah, and like my dad would say, "Oh, he's the best running back I've ever seen before in my life." And my mother would be like, "Hey, you know, he threw a woman off of a balcony, or yeah. something like that." And or or all of that stuff because that stuff about OJ, it wasn't super known but it wasn't a secret it was out there yeah people had known that it had happened but they it almost seemed as if they kind of just didn't care and so that kind of thing was going on right it seems out and and this movie was one of the first times i was like well that leads to something like that kind of abuse can end up in a dead body so yeah i think you know things changed casting what ifs julia's role was originally written for jane fonda Seem to all Jane, Jane Fonda, yeah, not Bridget. Oh, that's kind of out of. I think it started maybe the book came out in '87. Oh, so I think so they're trying to figure before. it out. And then it, whatever. Wow. Um, Kim Basinger turned down the part. That's a different. Said she movie. wasn't right for the role, and then Julia's schedule freed up. Yeah, they cut her a big check, and that was it. It was Patrick Bergen's idea to use composer Hector Berlioz's song, which is the song we played. Dun dun. Patrick Bergen's like, hey, I've got the song for you. That's I think scary. we need to watch Patrick Bergen. I, don't I think know what's we need to pay attention to his yeah. dog. Nah, dog. Who listening to that? Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't. I, we would, that's weird to me. See, I don't like that one. Of that's all scary. the rewatchables I've done, I'm not scared of Patrick Bergen. I made the right decision not watching that Robin Hood shit. Well, producer Craig sent us this. Um, he Patrick Bergen got married a year after this movie came out. <laughs> shit. And producer Craig wondered. <laughs> His wife saw this movie and then was like, <laughs> let's keep going. <laughs> You're just acting. I, how does he, how does anyone marry him after this? I would be uh, so yeah. scared. What happens the first time he's like, Hey, do you, do you use all the half and half? Yeah, I'm yeah telling I you. did. Oh, you want? And then it's like, dun, dun. I'd be so scared of that. Dude. Yes. And the problem with Bergen is he didn't have a get back role. Like, Danny Glover almost suffered through this. Like my mama wasn't fucking with Danny Glover for a long time after the color purple. She couldn't do it. Really? But she, she, yeah, she, she hated the sight of him. Hated the sight of him. He missed her mm. to her. But what happened was he came back as the lovable uh, Murtaugh. Yeah, uh, and then and then he, that was it. So Patrick Bergen needed a get back role. Didn't get one. Best that guy, aka the Joey Pants award. There were wasn't really like a jump out that guy, but I I gotta say I think the the new boyfriend played by Kevin Anderson is kind of like the guy from this movie. He's been in some other stuff, but. I can't name one thing he's been in. If I ever saw him on anything, I'd be like, oh, that guy from Sleeping with the Enemy. I, I kind of feel like he's the guy for this category. For some reason, I feel like I've seen the woman who gave her the apple and some other things. So I looked that up and I, I couldn't find anything else. Nothing? Yeah. Hmm, I tried weird. hard. Yeah. Uh, the Vincent Hannon Give Me All You Got Award for overacting. There's only one candidate here, Patrick Bergen. Yeah. Uh, he dials it up a thousand different times. The Dion Waiters Award for Best Heat Check, I couldn't, I couldn't find one. So I, I'm doing something we've never done in the Rituals before, giving it to the casting director, who somehow thought, who somehow thought it was a smart idea and a good idea to not have a single black person in this movie. Yeah. What a heat check. There's well, no black people in this movie. Not one black person. There's not one black person, not only with a speaking part. But I went back. I even fast forwarded through the party scene mm-hmm. to see if we even could see one black face in that scene. No, this is a completely white movie. I don't know if it's intentional. I don't know what's going on with that. But I thought that was a really bizarre fact. Okay. 
I have a couple of reasons why I feel like this is probably a thing. Number one, Julia Roberts couldn't have had any black friends. She just couldn't have. The character couldn't have had any black friends because if uh, if like she had a black friend, she's like my mom or something like that. My mom gonna come over in the middle of supper. She gonna walk in. She gonna be like, "Is everything all right in here?" <laughs> right. I want to make sure everybody in here is behaving. Because I hear things about what's going on in this household. You know what I mean? And then she got a husband. And that husband not going to let you talk crazy to his wife. He going to come in. He going to have stuff to say. He going to try to stay out of their business. You know what I mean? But he going to come in. And, and then Julia Roberts' boyfriend, the new guy, he couldn't have been black either. Because if he was How about black. The lady on the bus could have been black. The fucking nurse could have been black. Some of them, some of the, some of them could have been, but I don't. I guess so. If you have smaller parts. Oh, by the way, I do recognize one of the nurses. The nurses. The it's not. I'm not. It's not a that guy. But I just looked it up. I recognize the nurse that he was talking to to get the information from. Yeah, that's the same lady that played the hot chicken Groundhog's Day, which is kind of the day that we're, we're filming that. You remember the hot oh, chicken? Oh wow! Ground, yeah, 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 The yeah, hot yeah. chicken Groundhog's yeah. Day. Who was like, yeah? I was like, what I know her from? She played the hot chicken, the one that he. Uh, that he first gets with um but yeah so i think i'm not gonna lie i'm not gonna i don't i don't make it my point to speak for all black people i don't but i will say based on the black people that i do know and i got 40 years of being black we okay with not being in this one i think okay. it's cool i think like for me i don't because you know we'd have to get involved we're not gonna let some of this stuff go like we we are we're okay. Like if the black lady was a lady from the YWCA, that's a completely different phone call. It's a different call. It's like a whole different call, phone call. Uh, she Fair. got a lot of bruises. Do you know anything about how she might have gotten those? Because now <laughs> she'd have turned up gone. So you know it's, it's it's different. You know. So I think I'm I'm all right with that. I don't have a problem with this one. All right. I have no Dion Waiters award winner then, if, unless you want to give it to the lady with the apple for her knowing knowing glances at Julia the whole time. Um, mm -hmm. Recasting couch. Obviously, we have to recast the mullet beard boyfriend guy. Right. How about mm -hmm. young Brad Pitt? Thelma mm -hmm. Louise era Brad Pitt just coming in as the uh, boyfriend. He's a drama teacher. He's right. Maybe got some cool goatee thing going. Yeah. Is he too good looking? Because that that's a different creature right there. Would you go early George Clooney? He's still like four years away from ER. He's got, he could have had he's the mullet. He's got a mullet. He's got like, a mullet. He's got, it's mullet Joe George Clooney that you put in that role. Because he hadn't hit his peak yet. Brad is like a different fucking... Right, so we go mullet George Clooney. Yeah. The movie's better with mullet George Clooney. Then Way I'm like, back. oh, man, she finally found somebody. And then then he's getting pistol there, shaking his head. Well, <laughs> doing a whole job. half fast internet research. The film was based on a 1987 novel, the same name, uh, written by Nancy Price. And then... I have a really good one for you. We're going to take a quick break because you, you're going to need to regroup for this, this half-ass internet. This episode is brought to you by Hulu, where this March there are enough new shows and movies to keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Stream the all-new documentary Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale set in Japan. And we are covering that on the Prestige TV podcast, by the way. All this and more is on Hulu this month. So what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Mint Mobile. If you're looking for ways to save in 2024, I have a little tip for y'all. And it's very simple and easy. Just switch 
to Mint Mobile. For a limited time, their wireless plans are $50 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. That's unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. To get this new customer offer, go to mintmobile.com slash rewatch. That's mintmobile.com slash rewatch. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. All right, here we go. Half-assed internet research. Julie Roberts, did you know that there was a, a racial controversy from this movie? No. Oh, yes. She caused controversy after she left Abbeville, South Carolina, where the film shot some of its scenes. Mm -hmm. Said the place was a living hell and horribly racist. Complained about its lack of good restaurants. The uproar in South Carolina was so great that a group of Palmetto State Patriots took out a rebuttal ad in Variety. And then Roberts clarified her statements. She's from Georgia. Mm -hmm. And she said... She was referring to an, uh, an incident where a black friend of hers entered an Abbeville restaurant with her and they refused her service. And Julie Roberts said, I was shocked that this type of treatment still exists in America in the 90s, in the South or anywhere else. This was a thing. I bought like five years of premier magazines from 1987 to 1992 on eBay because it's uh -huh. a pandemic and I'm bored. <laughs> and I went and I found the sleeping with the enemy thing and they devoted multiple paragraphs to the big controversy with Julia Roberts versus this South Carolina place and her talking about her friend. So, yeah. First of all, that's insanely fascinating. Secondly, it's weird to me why that's not a bigger part of Julia Roberts's celebrity. Because, you know, she would get a lot of love if people knew, because let's be honest with you, there, there's a time when it was in vogue to stand up and do some of these things. Yeah, and I know people are thinking, "Hey, Van, this is all. This is not like it's 1961. It's 1991, but still, during that time, it still wasn't. There was no such thing as being woke. It wasn't like a thing. They no, we're tw we're 26 years away from that. Right. Even more important than that, if you were a star, you your goal was to avoid controversy at all times. Your you, goal you, was to be her PR person was like, "Don't talk about that restaurant. Don't, don't get that out there. Discuss it at all." Literally a couple years before then, David Duke had like was a serious contender for governor of my home state. So it was a thing, right? It wasn't like it was. It was the times definitely were different. And I, to be honest with you, took some balls on her behalf. I agree. As I tell you, she like, I think that's what you're supposed to do. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to write a whole, I'm not going to give her a Nobel Peace Prize. But during that time, to kind of be in that thing when you want your movies to appeal to middle America and all of that stuff like that, that took some balls on Julie. Good good on her, man. And she doubled down when they fought back. And she, yeah, she, she clarified came back. double down. So yeah, yeah, good job by her. Um, when he hits her and she hits the marble floor, hmm. she actually hit the marble floor with her head and she got a black eye and you can see it in like the next scene. Her mm -hmm. left eye is swollen because she fell wrong and she actually hit her head. Wow. What? Yeah. Um, film was initially NC-17. Why? Cut it down to an R rating. The first, the sex scene went too far apparently. And they were like, this is NC-17. So they had to cut it. But in the European version, you can watch the whole sex scene. Can't see a NC-17 version of that sex scene. It's crazy. That song, the uh, Symphony Fantastique, is about a young man who, under the influence of opium, dreams of killing his girlfriend, is executed, and ends up in hell. So there you go. What the fuck? That's what the fucking uh, song is about. Like, what? You, what? Yeah. Um, 
Apparently not a fun shoot, pretty grueling shoot. Premiere Magazine goes into it. The director said in the Premiere Magazine thing I read, which none of these are online. So I feel like I have like this vault of movie stuff. <laughs> right. The director, Joseph Rubin, said, Julia was on the edge of hysteria for the five days it took to shoot the domestic violence scene. This was not an easy shoot. It was certainly not one of those movies where it was a good time for everyone from beginning to end. And then in the article, they said, the shoot itself was full of grueling scenes. Um, Roberts had to spend long stretches of time in water and in freezing temperatures, got the black eye. And she said, um, she said it was physically and emotionally taxing. It was my third movie in a row. I didn't anticipate how tired I was going to be in the ocean at three in the morning, trying to fight the current, waiting for they say cut so I could grab on the ropes, not drift away. Um, and then she said, um, the funniest thing was the director safe and dry on his barge saying, could you stop a little longer at that point? And then she said, uh, the fact that I'm not in Tijuana right now is a miracle. Bill, that's shade. She shaded that director. Yeah. First of all, there's no water tank. There's no water tank vibes for that joint. There's no. She is the biggest star in the world. Oh, no, they're going to put her in the, the, put her in, in, in the, the morning? In the ocean. There's like, there's no water. We can't get a water tank for Julie there. But you can, but to that point, when you watch it, I'm like watching, I'm like, yo, they really in the water. Yeah. I, I mean, I've watched the movies where I can water. tell the water tanks, but they were really in the water. Yeah. So not a great shoot. And uh, once again, kudos to me for buying those old premiere magazines. Apex <laughs> Mountain. Julie Roberts. So I think we gave, we said Pretty Woman was her apex mountain, but you could argue that <laughs> making $175 million with this crappy movie, yeah, you could argue maybe it was. Her movie career does get a little spotty after this. It's, we, we move into the I Love Trouble. Pelican Brief's probably the best one over the next five, six years until she gets makes the comeback with My Best Friend's Wedding, all that stuff. Aaron Brockovich. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hot Julia Roberts, this is her apex. I think it's My Best Friend's Wedding. For Hot Julie Roberts. I think that's the best she ever Interesting. I Make love, the case. I, like, for me, there's... Even when I saw My Best Friend's Wedding, right? And it's... At that point, the the, the hot young actress coming up is Cameron Diaz, and they're... That's the kind of juxtaposition or whatever that they're doing, the comparison that they're doing. I'm thinking... Now it's like LeBron versus Zion. She, he, LeBron yeah. just put up the 40, 15, and 17. Yeah, I'm looking at Julia Roberts. <laughs> that's like... That's Julia Roberts, like closer to 30 she's like more yeah. of a woman she's a little curvier i'm like okay i'm that's the first time i was really fucking with her like that i still I, right. I think she looks beautiful in that movie yeah some people like mystic pizza julia roberts mystic pizza is great too some people like steel magnolias julia roberts mm. yeah i don't know who those some people are but i'm sure they're out there <laughs> crazier character my best friend's wedding julia roberts or the husband and sleep with the enemy if you have it's to close. say it's close. Maybe those two should end up together. That should have been the third movie. They should <laughs> right. just combine those. It's I've close. met my new husband. Because it's so still, it's still some, it's a cute obsession, but that's an obsession movie. Hmm. My best friend's wedding. Oh, it's an obsession movie. She's <laughs> a fucking maniac. <laughs> uh, Apex Mountain, fake Cape Cod houses, absolutely. Patrick Bergen had this in Robin Hood, the hmm. second Robin Hood movie, the same year. Yes. Sure. Kevin Anderson, yes. From Hell movies. So, can make the case this movie did so well that it led to the next 30 years. Once this one worked, then we were really off. I, I think Fatal Attraction is probably Apex Mountain for from Hell movies just because it was so good. It was mm-hmm. the best of all of them. The but you can make a case to start the From Hell era. Uh, Cedar Falls, Iowa. Can you think of a better Apex? No, I can't. Although I can't either. It's in my head for some reason, Cedar Falls, but I can't. 
I can't think. By the way, she didn't move. She didn't go far enough. I was not. Go, no, go to go to Nebraska. Go get get more western. Get farther. But her mom hey, was or, there. How about this? Yeah. Rent a house with a fence. <laughs> <laughs> you have all this money. Like rent a house where it's like just the screen door can open at any time. Uh, Cedar Falls, Iowa, seems very pleasant. It does. It seems America like very American, Americana. Yeah, you know, I wonder if I could get service there. Well, I'll, I'll check. I'll check it out one day. I'm gonna see. <laughs> it could be a rigger video, rigger right, exclusive. Yeah, rigger, I'll, I'll go there and see. You know, because you never know. You know, seemed cool, but I didn't see any of us there. The Yager haircut. This is clearly uh, Apex Mountain for that. Yeah. Picking nits. Okay, I got a couple picking nits for you. I do I'm too. sure you have a couple as well. The entire boat trip. They don't know a storm's coming. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, these weather reports. It's like, I'm pretty sure the weather reports know when there's a storm. Right. Yeah. There's no storm. Even in 1991, there's no storms out of nowhere. Um, the boats, as we said before, they're all in the front of the boat, which I don't even go on boats and know that that's the one thing you're not supposed to do on a boat is all huddle on one side of it. Right. And then it's like, why are they sailing at night? What's fun about that? What's fun right. about a sailboat at nine o'clock at night? I, yeah. I've never heard of such. I would never accept an invitation. Hey, Bill, you want to sail at night? No, no, thank you. Right. I don't want to do that. So I have, just have a lot of questions. So a couple of things. Number one about the boat, I have it written down. He goes, I don't know where this weather is coming from. He says that. I'm like, we know where the weather is coming from, dog. Like we know where the weather is coming from. Like a surprise storm. Even if the storm was a surprise and they took the boat out at 7, you'd have known at 6 or 5.30 that you wouldn't be able to sell. Right. All right. Terrible so I, job by that guy. Terrible job by that guy. But there's something else. So when she, she, she's at dinner, dinner with uh, Mullet Hero, she still has the scar on her head from when she got hit by the guy. Why she got hit by Patrick Bergen, right? Because he looks at it, he goes, oh, what's that? So that means that before that, that scar hasn't healed, right? And it still looked like there's like a there's like so like a blood thing. It's like a scab. That means that she got the entire house ready. She had all of this. So this entire thing then of her <laughs> traveling true. happened in like ten days. It happened. This was basically couldn't have been more than two weeks. So of Massachusetts her, to Iowa, that was a six hour bus. That drive, was a six hour. Apparently. That was a six hour bus drive. And then for her to get all this stuff to get the house fixed up, for her to meet this guy, all of this stuff, this had to have taken place in the time to where she would still have a scar on her head. And it just there's just too much story in there for that. It just doesn't make any sense to me. But so there you go. Very fair points. Very fair. Um, I also think. The psychotic husband who clearly has manufactured grudges against whoever, wouldn't he be madder at the boat captain? You've killed my wife. <laughs> Why didn't you check the weather, you motherfucker? Like, right. how does that guy live more than 12 hours? Um, next picking it. Why flush the ring? Just keep the ring. Make it, keep the ring or throw the ring in the ocean. You swam. Like, it, it's, it, it makes two. That, that doesn't make any sense. Like, the ring's not going to flush, Julia. Like, just get rid of the ring. How about flushing the toilet like six times to make sure the ring flushed? Why not just put it in your pocket? Right. You're right. going to Cedar Falls, Iowa. Throw out the ring there. Flush or, it. Or take the ring with you to Cedar Falls, hawk that hoe, and then yeah. you can use that towards your new life. You right. know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it, there's a myriad things you could do with the ring. I wonder for her if it was symbolic. I'm flushing the ring. I don't know. It could have been. Maybe that same thing, you throw it in the ocean. It's gone. No ring. 
she plans out this whole escape perfectly. Mm-hmm. Everything goes great. And then she's like, yeah, flush the ring. And I won't even check to make sure it's got flushed. Uh, how did she get from her house to the bus station? Oh, that's a good quote. That's a good point. I didn't think about that. Cab? Cab? In the cab, the police would have known the cab went to her house. Did they would have checked walk? the cab dispatch. I mean, did she walk? If she walked, how far was it? Was it like a one hour walk to the bus station? Mm-hmm. And that time they're looking for her at that point. Looking for her at that point. Yeah, it's true. Tough one. Why yeah. did she dress like a man to go see her blind grandmother? Because she didn't want anybody to know. Because remember, he comes at the same time. So and remember, they, they I thought that at the same time they explained it in the sentence because he go they the the lady goes uh she hasn't had any visitors in six months and all of a sudden and then he goes a young woman now if the, it had been yes a young woman then he knows for sure right and she goes no a young man but it doesn't matter because he's so crazy he still wants to know who visited the mother so she didn't want people to even know that it was her at all coming to see but her. he already moved he moved nursing homes for her though or she moved nursing homes so she, technically she shouldn't be worried that he would even know where she was that's true i don't remember how in the world that he found out the new nursing home i think because he, bri- he had he bribed the people he offered the people the 10 grand yeah at this point he's in batman doesn't though. add up right um also, what kind of leave of absence did he take from work? <laughs> he's this high-powered whatever, and right. he's just like, hey, uh, so I'll be back in like four weeks. Where are you going? Mm-hmm. Eh, tell you later. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, he's got all these accounts. He's doing phone calls. There's no cell phones back then. Mm-hmm. Um, could this be remade as a 10-episode Netflix show? Yeah, of course. It probably better that way. You probably could explain some things. Also, I have I have. Would a you go thought. all black cast? You could, but I I go a different way. I'd okay. wrap this up in the American Psycho universe. The right. Oh, okay. I would wrap this up in the American Psycho universe. This guy is one of Patrick Bateman's friends that you see in that movie. But they know each other. They know each other. This guy, because like all of those, if you read any of the Brett Easton Ellis stuff, it's all wrapped up. It's all like, you know, the rules of attraction. Mm. It's like, so I'd wrap, I'd make this, because those guys are all like on the surface, seem to be regular investment banker guys, but then they have all of these CD passes. So this is one of Patrick Bateman's friends from American Psycho doing crazy shit, because they're all really crazy. Probably unanswerable questions. Um, how long did, did uh, Mullet Guy and Laura date post murder in the house? He's dead. Wait, give it like what? Three more weeks? I, I, not even that, dog. Like you, if I'm mother, can we guy, just be friends? Yeah, if I'm mother guy, don't send no more of them pies over here. Well, you got some shit with you. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm, I'm cool. I like I, I met you. Think about it. Think about the wound. So I've known you. It's got to be some days. I yeah. already had to fight your ex and save your life. <laughs> this dude put it on my ass. Nah, man. You got too much shit with you. My wife always gets mad that that guy got knocked out by the pistol whip, but then just kind of woke up right after everything went down. And she's like, oh, wait, some help you were. Thanks. Thanks for waking whoa, up whoa, after whoa. the shooting. I have a question for you. You said earlier in the podcast that you would commit a murder. If the actual Julia Roberts would have been in this, today Julia Roberts, if the actual Julia Roberts would have been in this same situation at that time, would you have gone through this in order to date her and be with her. To be mall man? Yeah. In 1991? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> I would have been like totally cool with the pistol whip. I'm glad we got through this. Girl. Hey, you want to go to the movies today? <laughs> <laughs> uh, did, so LeBron had a big, there was a whole Versa Climber thing with him when he was in yeah. Miami about yeah. how uh, 
Was he inspired by this movie? How did he find out about the Versa Climber? Was he watching Sleeping with the Enemy? Could have been. Been like, what's that machine? That guy like, looks like he's getting a great workout. Right. He's got he's got all he's got a lot of endurance to to hunt people down and all of that stuff. You know, it takes a leak and it keeps on ticking. Um, did she inherit all the husband's stuff because she was technically still alive, so they never got divorced? That question just lobotomized me. Because I, I think that one of the mistakes of this movie is the five five months later scene where they do the graphic five months later. And now she has the biggest, the biggest house in Cedar Falls, Iowa, because she's inherited all this guy's money. And now she's donating a new wing for the school and she's setting down roots in Cedar Falls with all her, all her millions. Or she's making, she's creating a house for battered women. Oh yeah. And she's doing, yes. she's, she's, she's now she's a part of the solution. Damn. I guess, but isn't it illegal to fake to fake your death? Did she officially fake her death? Is, that, is the police really cracking down on that one with her when it's no, clear? No, like, yeah, yeah, when it's clear, she's got witnesses, all that stuff. She's like, look, I was going to die unless I got away from this guy. So, yeah, can I? It's true. Can I get yeah. my inheritance now? Right. Yeah, she got. The, she probably got the bread. That's good. But knowing this guy, he probably had something crazy in his uh in his will or something. But I don't know. It's it, that's a good one. I never even thought about it. I have one more. This is a Massachusetts one. This guy. I don't know where they intended this to be in Cape Cod. It was just like the quote unquote Cape Cod. Uh-huh. They might have been trying to think maybe situated or whatever, but regardless, mm-hmm. this guy's going to work in Boston. But then he's coming home to this house, which by Cape Car, Cape Cod could be an hour and a half, could be two hours, 15 minutes that drive back and forth. Just right. didn't sit right with me for New England geography. Cape, Cape Cod. It's a is, long drive. Cape Cod is that close? Cape Cod's not that close. How, how it's a fucking hike to go from downtown. If he's going to downtown Boston financial district, it's like, all right, I'm going to leave. I'm going to be back. He's not back to like eight 30. Mm. So I didn't see that. They, they're just cheating. it. I mean, we have geography cheats all the time, but you know, I, I know, what, you know what this movie was missing? What? A, a Cape Cod baseball league scene. Oh yeah. This when she, and, yeah. He, and he accuses her of thinking uh, one of the pictures is handsome. One of the pictures is yeah. hot or something yeah. like a Cape Cod baseball. Or one there. of the pictures is like, hey, Laura, what's happening? And he's like, what? What, <laughs> <laughs> what piece of memorabilia would you want from this movie? Oh, good question. I, it's either going to be the Versa Climber or <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Versa Climber or, or the... Half-eaten apple from the bus scene. Solid. I was going to say the statue that was from their wedding that he ends up throwing through the window. Right. So he could then climb through and stand on the on the balcony <laughs> and go, Laura! Laura! <laughs> uh, that's actually good. Who won the movie? Ooh, I always struggle with these, man. Um, But I, you got to go Julia Roberts won the movie. You got to go Julia. There's a case... For the villain, just because he's one of the best villains we've ever had in these movies. Yeah. Um, but I, I think you could also say the hockey player look might have won because you have <laughs> Moat Man with the beard, but then you have Patrick Bergen also looks like a hockey player in this movie. He's got this big, big, this huge big, mustache. thick mustache with like yeah. kind of like almost like its own kind of fluffy mullet on the top. Yeah. And if you go back and you watch the NHL network and they're showing playoff games from like 90, 91. 
these were the haircuts all over the place and the yeah. look. And I don't know if like the director was a hockey fan or if this was all just a coincidence, but he he looks like the one guy because there was a weird thing that used to happen at some point when hockey was still a part of my sports knowledge is there'd always be one hockey player that wouldn't wear his helmet. Like there was a guy, was this really the one guy that didn't have the helmet on? Forgot what he, I think he played for, but he still was playing without a helmet. He didn't have a helmet on. This is true, by the way. People are going to be like, very yeah. bullshit. No, a guy playing without a helmet. The villain guy would be that guy. He would be the guy without the helmet. You'd have the, the bushy top up top. Going Craig around. McTavish, wasn't it? Craig McTavish was the yeah. guy. That's former the guy Bruin. I'm thinking of. Former Bruin, yeah. Craig McTavish. He's the Craig McTavish of this. Now, that's not to say, McTavish, I hope you're okay somewhere and you're not doing any of his stuff, but this guy is kind of like that. And he looked like he was probably what, six, three, six, four. That's good size for a hockey player. You know what I mean? I agree. Julia Roberts won the movie because if you can make, if you can become the seventh grossest moving of movie of 1991 with this Enjoy. plot yeah. and, and this many holes in the movie, you've really done something. But on the other hand, this movie survived for 30 years and it's still incredibly rewatchable. So if they remade this all black cast, who's Julia Roberts right now. So if they remade it all black right cast, now, they're making it, they're in production right now, scheduled to release 10 months from now. It's probably Zendaya. Um, oh, that's a great call. Yeah, it's probably Zendaya. Is she too young though? How old is she, she now? She might be a little too young. She might be a little too young, but then you just gotta wait to make the movie. Cause she's she, I think she's like 22 or 23. Yeah, because if Zen, if she's in danger, I'm in completely invested. Right. So you want it to probably be more uh you probably want it to be more around her. She's like I don't know, 25, 26, but you wait for her because she's the one where people go, oh my God, Zendaya is in danger. Um, so yeah. I think yeah she, even on Euphoria, when she's, she had those scenes near the end of the first season with the drug dealers when it started, you were like, oh my God, don't hurt her. Yeah. I know this is just a television show, but, um, oh, producer Craig points out, Julia Roberts, 24 in this movie. Zendaya is 24 right now. There so you go. So we could do it. You could do it. Zendaya, Zendaya works. You, you, you'd have Zendaya... Do it. Who's the husband? That's the toughest part because the 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 thing with the husband is, I'm not gonna lie. No no real star, like no Michael B. Jordan type is gonna want to be. They're not gonna play that part. So like that, that's it. Probably would take. Got to be a no name guy. Got to be a no name guy. And but so it, it, so I got. I'd have to think about that because you're not gonna give that to Jonathan Irons or Michael B. Jordan or Yaya or any of those guys. They're not. They're not gonna do that role. Who's the new boyfriend? That's a good one. Like Jermaine Fowler. Do you know who that is? Yeah, like Jermaine Fowler. You ever Remind see, me who that is. You ever see Sorry to Bother You? Did you ever yeah. see that one? Okay, so remember his friend that he has the argument with where he goes, his 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 best friend in that movie, Jermaine Fowler. He's playing Eddie's son in um in in uh Coming to America too. Like Jermaine Fowler, any good natured young brother could like kind of pull that off. But I would, I would, if I was casting it, I would cast Jermaine Fowler in that role. And where does she go? That's a good question. Because it's not Cedar Falls, Iowa. It's not Cedar Falls. Maybe she goes to like Ladera <laughs> uh, or Baldwin Hills. Nah, I'm just joking. I'm trying to think. She goes somewhere. You know Louisiana? Where she goes? I know. Louisiana. She goes. She goes but it's, it, yeah, she could go to Louisiana, but it's got to be a smaller town because she can't like end up. The really the way to make the movie trite is that she goes from like Cape Cod to like Atlanta. Then, you know what I mean? Then that's kind of the way it go. But you, it needs to be like maybe like Gary, Indiana. That's not as pop. It's too popular than Gary. I don't know where she goes. I don't. I don't know. I would say there's even odds that this movie comes out in the next two and a half years. 
And by the way, if they got Zendaya for it, they, they, it would make 175 billion. It would be a I huge. I don't know deal. If, they, if we even can go to the movie theaters anymore. But if it right. was like HBO Max or Netflix or something, that would be a, a thing. I'm trying to think of. Oh, I know where she goes. Easy. She goes to Austin. Austin, she, Texas. She she goes to Austin. She relocates to Austin. Austin is a place that people from LA go and they yeah. act like they've gone some they act like people from LA go to Austin and they go they they feel like they're better because they moved to Austin's a beautiful place. Austin is the I like Austin. Austin. I love Austin. But I'm saying that's where the people from LA go when they're sick of LA. They go to Austin. So she'll go to Austin, start her life again. I like it. All right, make this movie happen. Van Lathan. We can hear you uh, higher learning, which is being supersized this month. Yeah. Uh, with Rachel Lindsay. Go check it out. Mm-hmm. Supersized higher learning. We're going to give you a higher learning on Wednesday. We're going to give you an interview based show. The first one is amazing and hilarious. We have Bow Wow. Bow Wow is funny as hell. And next week we have Keith Stansfield. So we have some really, really great guests. All right, cool. Thanks for being on the Rewatch. Always, man. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com.